Tonight begins our celebration of the Easter Triduum, the three holiest nights of the year, um, which we begin with the Feast of the Lord's Supper we celebrate tonight. Unfortunately, unfortunately has to be somewhat abridged. You might be used to, if you're um, accustomed to celebrating Holy Thursday, with the community, um, traditionally 12 people's feet are washed by the priest. Um, the two things that Jesus did at the Last Supper, which was to consecrate uh, the bread and the wine and to wash his disciples' feet, we do one every day of the year and one once a year. And uh, it's beautiful to see the fullness of, of the Last Supper in its um, celebration, commemoration of this last night of Jesus' um, earthly life that uh, after, the, after the Eucharist is instituted and the priesthood is instituted as he gives these 12 men the authority to celebrate the Eucharist, he goes off to begin his passion with the agony in the garden, the betrayal by Judas and uh, his night in jail, his trial, his passion, execution and burial. And so this night is kind of haunted, although it's beautiful. It's Jesus' last time um, in peace with his closest friends. And in John, uh, which starts with this John 13 reading we read for the gospel today, begins what's called the Last Supper Discourse, where Jesus kind of gives his last will and testament to his apostles before his passion to prepare them. Obviously, they can't be totally prepared, um, in the, in the sense that they, they will fail some tragically to accompany him, to be with him, to be faithful to him, um, to even be a casual acquaintance of Jesus, much less one of his closest friends. Uh, one of them becomes his betrayer. But he gives them this gift, knowing all of that. He gives them the gift of himself, his abiding presence in the church that he entrusts to them, these weak, fallible men. This is how he will be present until the end of time, till the consummation of all things, when all things are restored in him, that the sacrifice that he's about to make um, permeates absolutely everything in the cosmos to restore what has been lost through our sin, our failures, our abuse of our free will that was given to us in the beginning. These twin gifts of holy orders and the Eucharist. So today is the anniversary of the institution of holy orders, um, Traditionally, in the morning of Holy Thursday, uh, priests will gather with their bishop and celebrate what's called the Chrism Mass. And at the Chrism Mass, um, not only are the, the oils, it's called Chrism Mass because the oil is the Chrism oil, the oil of the infirm, and the oil of the catechumens are blessed, consecrated by the bishop that day, and those oils are used throughout the year by the priests in their parishes. But the priests also gather on this day, the anniversary of the institution of the priesthood, to renew their priestly vows that they made on the day of their ordination in front of the bishop, in front of the church. The last two years, we've not been able to do it. Um, this year, they did have the Mass this week, but uh, only our deans and presbyteral council were able to be there, the auxiliary bishop. So I received my oils uh, from my dean, uh, but we were to make our priestly promises from home. Uh, but in any case, this... Uh, Day is usually the day that, I, from my classmates, I get a lot of text messages. Happy Priesthood Day. Um, I remember when I was in college discerning, um, I went to this panel of a bunch of uh, priests and religious. Uh, it was a men's discernment group, and there were monks and uh, friars and priests and priests of religious orders, Jesuits, legionaries, etc. And each of the men went down the line and kind of said when their order was founded. 
said, you know, the Franciscans were founded by St. Francis in the 1200s, the Jesuits were founded by St. Uh, Ignatius of Loyola in the 1500s, and uh, I remember Monsignor Swetland, who was my Newman chaplain at the time, he said, I'm a diocesan priest, my order was uh, founded by Jesus in the year 33. Um, so this is, this is the day that we all priests share. Um, in a way, that he, gives, he gives holy orders to these 12 who are the bishops. All bishops can trace their, in theory, succession back to one of the 12. Um, through the laying on of hands, which is how holy orders is transmitted in the prayer of consecration, prayer of ordination, that lineage goes back to Jesus, goes back to this night. And every bishop is connected to Jesus through that line of apostolic succession. And then every priest and deacon is ordained by a bishop, and the priests and deacons participate in the holy orders of their bishop. So the priests, me, I mention Blaise Supich at every Mass because I am not a priest for myself. I'm not a priest on my own, of my own authority, but we participate in this priesthood of the bishop who participates in the priesthood of Christ. And same with the deacon. The deacon has certain authority through his ordination, but is an assistant to the bishop. Um, so these 12, this power that's given to them, specifically to consecrate the Eucharist on this night, is, flows out to the church, to the faithful, through the bishops, through the priests. And every Mass that we celebrate commemorates this night and, and participates in it in a mysterious way. But not just in the Last Supper, but in the entire, what we call the Paschal mystery, the Passover, what is fulfilled in Christ in the Easter Triduum, why these are the holiest nights of the year, that the Mass is haunted at every turn, in every word, by Christ's passion, by his sacrifice. The Eucharistic prayer says, On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He said, This is my body, which will be given up for you. Not just, here's some of me, but this is my crucified flesh. This is the chalice of my blood, which will be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is not just a piece of me. This is my blood that's shed through the whips, the scourging, the crown of thorns, the nails in my hands and feet. This is a costly act of love on Christ's part. I remember um, my first few years of priesthood, I, I remember sharing this with some of my classmates and friends who were also priests, that I had this odd common experience on Sunday nights after uh, we Usually Sunday is your busiest day as a priest. Some people think it's the only day you work. Um, it's not. But it is the busiest day, and it's usually the day you, you've prepared for the most because you've written your homily, you've prayed on the readings, etc. And sometimes you have three, four masses in the morning. And it's when you, you see all your parishioners, all the old people, all the young people, all the children, and you're just like the God-man, and you feel the power flowing out of your hands and that this is why I was ordained, this is why I answered the call, was to serve people this way, to give them the life of God through the Eucharist. And then night comes. And for me and my friends, many priests, especially early on, that's like the darkest night. It's the most empty night for some reason. You're about to start your day, your, your, your work week, Monday. Um, you were just in, like the height of your powers and pe- center of attention. And now everybody's back in their homes eating dinner with their families, getting ready for the week. They're not thinking of you anymore. They don't need you for another seven days or whatever. And there's something that's very easy to take personally as a priest for some reason, some spiritual dynamic that makes that night kind of difficult and sad in a way and empty. And the heart longs for some kind of fulfillment or, or 
control or something. And I remember bringing it to my spiritual director, like, why do I feel this way on Sunday nights? And he said something to me along the lines that, that that is the time that you are most intimately in communion with Jesus. In a way, it's the fulfillment of everything you've done that morning in celebrating the Eucharist. That you're alone now, as Jesus was alone after he celebrated the Eucharist. And he suffered in his agony. You're participating in that. And don't waste it. Don't just watch TV to make the pain go away. To make that loneliness filled with noise. And what he, He's a holy old Jesuit. He moved away, so he's not my spiritual director anymore. But he was kind of hard. He goes, what you should do in that moment is kneel on the hard floor in your room by yourself and put your hands out like this, like you're on the cross, and say, Jesus, everything I have... Everything I am, everything I will be or ever could be is from you. Teach me the depth of my need and free me from my desire for power. To make an offering of yourself, in other words. To fulfill what you've done in the Eucharist, which is offer, to your, offer yourself along with the bread and wine on the altar. What the priesthood means, why Jesus gets up immediately after he gives them this great privilege and says, I'm the teacher and master, and look at what I've done for you. This does not exalt you over the people. This does not make you powerful. This makes you a servant. This puts you at God's people's service to die for them, to suffer for them and with them. The Eucharist helps us resign our will to the fathers, to be with Jesus in the agony. As he is working out our salvation, we work it out with him with fear and trembling, St. Peter says. As he feels this tension and says, Father, if this cup could pass for me, please, but not my will but yours be done. We cannot do that on our own. We have messed it up. Our wills are enchained. Slaves to sin, to selfishness, to egotism, making ourselves the center of the universe. And in Jesus, especially in the Eucharist, we're set free. Not all at once, usually, although there's enough grace in every Eucharist to make us saints, but we take time to let go, to make everything an offering. This is why Vatican II said, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. Everything that we do comes from here and comes back to here. It's like a heart pulsing the blood out into the members and back into the heart. But the Eucharist is where we meet Jesus It's the source of everything we do in the Christian life, and it's the summit. In other words, it's the goal, is to be in union with Jesus, in communion. That's why we go out and come back and go out and come back from this altar until absolutely everything in the world, everything in the cosmos, is given over, is offered and made a pleasing sacrifice to God until nothing belongs to us anymore. Because nothing does belong to us. It's an illusion. We delude ourselves into thinking, I have possessions. That something belongs rightly to me, finally. Everything is a gift. And everything was meant to be offered back as a gift so we could participate in this life of the Trinity that is the eternal love song that is the source of everything that exists. We are the ones who have made it a dirge, have made it empty by by our possession, by our grasping. And it's in the opening back up in giving thanks, which is what Eucharist means. Eucharistia, thanksgiving, to make everything a sacrifice, an offering back to God. There's this tradition on Holy Thursday night to go around to different churches, 
because usually churches, when we're not in a pandemic, will have an altar of repose where people can come in and, and adore the Eucharist until midnight in memory of the, the agony to, when the apostles couldn't stay awake even one hour to watch with Jesus, to pray with him. We do that. We, we sit with Jesus. And tonight you'll have the opportunity after Mass until 8 p.m. Uh, we, won't, we can't let people in from outside, but those of you who are here and would like to stay and adore Jesus, we will uh, have the Eucharist on the altar that's consecrated at this Mass um, until 8 p.m. and we'll repose him because Good Friday, everything, the church is empty at the, on the funeral day for the bridegroom of the church. Um, but until that hour, we can be with him. We can watch with him. The whole goal of this triduum is to participate, make ourselves participants, or let ourselves be made participants, to enter in to the sacrifice of Jesus, to not waste this moment or any moment of suffering, any moment of joy, anything that's given to us, to make it a pure oblation, a burnt offering, to belong utterly to Christ so he can bring it to the cross, he can bring it to the Father and offer it to him so it can be restored and given back to us, transfigured, restored. And we can enter into the whole mystery of the, of the sacrifice of Christ, which leads to, you know what, on Sunday, to be made new, to come out of the tomb with him, restored and recreated.